Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I got a prompt on my transport. That's technical jargon from before the recording. That's, and, what, that's what all the cool kids say now. Lee said that to Jed, and they both understood what that meant on the recording thing. And Glenn and I just giggled because it sounded funny. That's right. <laughs> also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Seems fine to me. Probably. Well, normally we, you know, we do the the kind of hey, you know, it's nice and with thing, and we and then we yeah. declare the emergency. But I'm going straight to emergency this what? week. Wow, emergency! We had quite a significant one. Wow. Okay. We've been sent from super fan in Malaysia, Miss Guinevere. She was at. We still don't necessarily know it's like a conference or a training thing or something. And they were handed out a spiritual health checklist. Oh, boy. And not only is this funny in and of itself, and we're glad uh, Ms. Guinevere shared it with us, she had the good heart to share it with us on a Tuesday. Being those of us over here in Chicago getting ready for the bridge, got a lot of material that day out of this. Yeah. Well, I'm going to assume if it's a spiritual health checklist, it's, you know, how are you doing with love, joy, right. peace, patience. I mean, kind of the fruits of the spirit. Wrong. Yeah, that, oh. would, that would be the natural list. <laughs> Wrong. Oh, it's not that. It's Wait, a list. So of, does that please. mean it's a, it's a, it, it's, you're going through talking about the things in Matthew 25 that Jesus said were so important. Oh, sure. That, that would yeah, make sense. Things that he that wants makes, us to do. That mm-hmm. would be like the first thing on the list. Oh, Lee, you sweet, innocent, simpleton. No, it's not that either. <laughs> well, okay, so it's, it's, it's complicated because there's internal stuff like your love right. and your joy and your peace. Yeah. And then there's external stuff like feeding the hungry and clothing the naked. Right. Uh, of course, yes. So you got to categorize. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, that's clearly what we're talking about then. No. Oh. No, no, no. What? This is more along the lines of, I'll pick a source of random. Well, let, you know what? Let's go to what brought this to our attention in the beginning. And uh, that is one of these was things you're, you know, you're not supposed to do. And one of the entire, like, it's a big list with, like, maybe 100 things on it, but it's got headings. Okay. Categories. Right. right. Okay. So you got, like, uh, physical ailments, sexual impurity, areas of sin, emotional problems, and then, by far the longest one, occult implements. Oh, wow. Right. One of which is satanically inspired music. Mm. Oh. Gonsta rap, and you think to yourself... Don't you mean gangster rap? Maybe, but it's spelled G-A-N-S-T-A. Huh. So I don't even know what that is, so I can't be sinning with it. That's sure, good. absolutely. Right, okay. The other two are hard rock and heavy metal. Whoa. Okay. So we had uh, someone write in saying, you think the Bridge Loud counts as satanically inspired music? Well, uh, apparently. Apparently, if it's, if it's hard rock and or metal. Yeah. But here's, here's my question about that is, because you're giving helpful spiritual advice on the bridge loud, while you also are playing sat- satanically, clearly satanically inspired music, could it possibly tear a hole in the space-time spiritual continuum? Man, that's a good question. Almost certainly, but that's on the checklist, so I guess it's not a problem. Under the cult, is Blue Oyster Cult on there? Is that an option? Yeah. No, which I assume means they're fine. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, seasons don't fear the reaper. <laughs> Not at all. That's that's spiritual advice right there. Yeah. Is right. more cowbell on the list? 
Well, it's not enough cowbell on the list. Oh, def- cowbell deficiency. Is yes. there is there a fever for which the only cure is more cowbell? <laughs> you know, one could argue that a possible solution to all these problems is more cowbell. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, and the the answer I didn't want to put on social media because you know sometimes when things say in context is oh we can't afford the satanic bands those guys are awesome right yeah. That's just right. from a hard rock standpoint yeah, those are, yeah. yeah. We're, we're doing a local thing you know yeah. we can't afford to get those guys on the playlist yeah, those guys are like premium uh, expense there. So, yeah so you go all the way to Norway to get them yeah, yeah that kind of budget yeah. but and so there's a lot of uh, really goofy stuff on this and you know it's it's your standard feel bad about this you know <laughs> it's you know. Sex stuff and emotional, and this is a very good point Glenn made. There's an emotional problems area, which, like, out of 20 things, 10 of them for different ways of saying anger, right? <laughs> anger, frustration, yeah. temper problems, yeah. <laughs> like, ignoring things is not on there, right. like. You know, being too passively nice in a situation of child's right. that's not on there. Right, right, right. So it's your pretty standard, you know, uh, legalism checklist. But that got us thinking. Because, mm. you know, we, we're always looking for merchandising opportunities. Oh, yeah. And first of all, I think spiritual health checklist, as we pointed out, is not really an indication of what this is. Sure. Nor is it very good marketing. Right, right. This is an inventory of your sins. Yeah, mm. that's right. Which should clearly be called the sinventory. Oh, that's good. Definitely. <laughs> that's good. That sells itself. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think churches all around would be willing to sign up for the, say, that branded sinventory. Right. Totally. But what do we want to be on there? Well, the, the, I'm glad you asked, because I came up with a little bit of a list here. Oh, good. Because there's a lot of things that are Pre-show prep. Yeah, it seems like it's not on this list... I jotted these down. Now, this is the thing about it, is there were a few areas where it's like uh, physical maladies. Yeah. And then you tell them what that is, and then they prey on you. Sure. And then they, they you know, they get fixed, apparently. Maybe. Who knows? Sure. Know, if you have the right attitude. Sure. Right. Okay. So I these are a few things that I think need to be added on. Some are, are physical. Some are kind of emotional. Uh, one is a love of squirrels. Sure. Okay. Because squirrels are the harbingers of Satan. Right. Sure, sure. Right. They're evil. Right. They're basically <laughs> tree rats. Yes. They've had a free reign too long. I hate all squirrels. What if I love Rocky the Flying Squirrel of animated series Rocky and Bullwinkle? Wow. That's right out. Oh, that that's a satanically inspired squirrel, Matthew. That's exactly right. I didn't pay attention to that cartoon. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, another thing's big warning sign, falsetto scatting. Oh, sure. That's really evil. Well, this show may have tempted someone to sin in that. That's right. Every time we have an interview. That's, that's right. Uh, what people at home don't, may not realize is when there's an interview, interview, we don't hear it in our headphones. We call them cans Mm. or ear goggles. But so instead, uh, I fill the silence by doing falsetto scatting. Mm. Glenn, I think longtime listeners do know because one episode we closed out with the falsetto scat medley that you insisted that I put time during my working week into compiling. That had to sound insane. Yeah, it really did. That is the sound of madness. It's four or five different falsetto scat performances. Just undoes all the wisdom. 
Just, yes, just that's like, right. That's right. Yeah, just like, what is this weirdo? I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, uh, one of the guys on our staff is Peter Lawson. and he, I do know that. He, well, you know, he was a, a big-time, big-shot orchestra musician mm. person. You know, he would do, like, orchestra stuff. Like, he knows that stuff. He said, of all the people he's ever heard do falsetto scatting, I'm number two, right bes- behind Bobby McFerrin. Wow. Oh, wow. So that's pretty Is that good. a list of two? Yes. Still counts. That's correct. Um, another sign of real concern, getting on a plane without something to read. Sure. That is demonic. That's a sign of madness right sure. there. That's sure. your, you're not a good person if you're doing that. Here's another one. A case of the Mondays. Oh, oh yeah. You know, yeah. That's, yeah. You need prayer if you got that. Uh, zombieism. Right. Obviously. That is bad. <laughs> uh, I Wait, does that mean does that mean propensity to turn into a zombie or just a temptation to eat brains? Uh both. You know, just okay. or just really tired, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh uh other other health maladies, uh heebie jeebies. Right. Scabies. Yes. Rabies. Okay. Burpees. Mm. Slurpees. <laughs> sure. Biscuit poisoning. Oh, oh. that's they. That's what they called celiac disease in the 1950s. Was biscuit poisoning? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I got the biscuit poisoning. <laughs> uh, farmer's tan. If you got that, you need prayer. Right. Uh, skullet, mm. uh, which yeah, is uh, sure. bald in front, mullet in back. Skullet. You got to commit to one or the other, really. That's exactly right. Uh, restless leg. Mm. Uh, lazy leg. Mm. Oh, jelly leg. Mm. Uh, or hiccups. Ah, yes. So Where do you fall in the Jimmy Arms? Well, that's uh, that's not advisable. Okay. You know? What about the boogie woogie flu? Well, it, it, you know, the only thing worse than that is the rockin' pneumonia. Well, sure. that's very true. <laughs> so I think that's good. Then we had uh, we had this is another thing that I think our list definitely needs, which is so they we've in the original one we got these these headings, and then there's just kind of. No sense of proportion mm. in between them. Just kind of insanity. Like, uh, so they have, as you would fully expect, a sexual impurity one. Oh. And on one of them, one of them is masturbation, one is pornography. Then right below pornography is bestiality. Wow. And I feel that that is, in our digital age, really a ramp up. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that jumped a level there. Like, it's either you check the box or you don't check the box, and I feel like that doesn't offer enough color. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. At, a, at a certain point, I was wondering, like, how old do you have to be to actually be allowed to read the list? Because I feel like oh. you're giving people ideas. Right. You know, it's like, at a certain point, it's like, wait, how old are you? Oh, you're only, like, 13? You can't even look at this list yet. Yeah, right. you don't want to accidentally hand this out to your middle school group and have that's to answer the question of what is bestiality. Right, sure, that's right. Sure. Yes. You, al- you also don't want to, like, when you hand it out, you don't want anyone in the crowd yelling, bingo! Yeah. kind of, you like, they check like, all the boxes. Yeah, or if it's like, I don't know what this is, maybe I'll Google it. And then you have right. the slow motion, no. Yeah, that's no good. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, we, we just, ra- whatever the list we come up with, we, we totally randomize it. Right. So, you know, restless leg syndrome. Yeah. Jealousy. Human yeah. sacrifice. Right. Yes. Just, yeah. you know, just check yes or no. These <laughs> are all, all sins are equal. Yeah. So want to be theologically Genocide, correct. Uh, un- unpleasant attitude. Just, yeah. Yeah. So then we have the, the final thing I've left. And I think this is really where this room's brain power is going to come in, which is if you're confronted with something like this. What are some strategies for dealing with it? We have uh, the idea of shouting bingo, yeah, which I yeah. think is good. Yeah, 
Um, we had one of our, our bridge volunteers who shall remain nameless, whose theory was if when you check off, uh, we're actually talking about a corollary to this, which is a, a Christian school we know of that on the pornography thing is asking in today, incoming teenagers, have you ever looked at any kind of pornography? <laughs> and if so, please explain yes. in the wow. writing below. If so. And this person's point was, when you say explain, you mean like a drawing? <laughs> <That's right>. Like, <laughs> how do you explain? So we could yeah. do something like that, you know, way too much detail on everything. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the pizza delivery guy knocks on the door. And then the gal comes. <laughs> you got to give the plot synopsis. Sure, right? yeah, IMDb I style. That's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a a, a great. I think my favorite uh, way we came up with to deal with this, if you're ever in the situation, was from Glenn, and yes. that was the double bluff. That's right. If you've cared to break that down for us, yeah. No, well, my idea was uh, to to come with a completely blank sheet, put it in front of him, and say, "No, I'm good." I, I have none of this. <laughs> Just, oh, but do you? Do you have some of this? Maybe I need to pray for you. Is that what's going on? I think I win church. <laughs> yeah. And just... Uh, just dare him to call you on that's it. That's right. I think that's... When you come across legalistic nonsense, that's my new favorite way to cope with that, is to say, no, I'm fine. Yeah, right. That's, that's right. what you wanted to hear, right? Yeah, that's right. You end this out, you wanted the people here to say, no, so I've never even thought of such things. Right, so that's right. I'm just playing into your craziness that's right. and that's what church is really yeah, yeah and with that settled i believe i think yes. we're fine to declare emergency off right on now will we have the brand and say that's inventory ready to go in time for next month's bridge box well we can only hope maybe but even if we don't we'll have songs sermons bible studies all sorts of good stuff in august we are talking about hope so all of that is about that um, we, if you're signed up still in July, we're just coming out of our summer mixtape of some extra songs for you that we hope you enjoy. All that at missionusa.com slash bridgebox if you want to get involved. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes into our email address, and it says, I've been in a relationship for almost six years. His parents are pastors. More recently, God has been convicting me to get involved, and I joined a ministry that I'm passionate about in the church, not the youth ministry that my boyfriend does. My question is, how do I create boundaries as I get involved in the church? More and more people are drawn to me, either because I'm dating the pastor's son or because my ministry work is starting to have an impact. How do I draw the line so that our relationship stays out of the church? How do I maintain having genuine relationships and connections in the church with this special circumstance of his parents being my pastors while also wanting to share who I am and my testimony with people in the church? What advice do you have to, to help me not allow church business to permeate my relationship? It's an excellent question. And uh, one of the reasons I, I wanted to to make sure we did this on the show is because we, we talk about boundaries a lot in this show. We talk about relationship boundaries, talk about family boundaries, they're all very important. I don't know that we've too much touched on church boundaries. Sure. And while obviously dating the, the co-pastor's son who's also on staff is a pretty unique circumstance, I think the idea of knowing and thinking about drawing boundaries in church is a really good one. So Jed, why don't you start us off on this one? Sure thing. Well, I'm delighted that you wrote in. And the thing that I really like, because I think you've actually already got 90% of this licked, uh, in that you're already saying, I want to do this intentionally. I want to come up with a plan and I want to execute that as opposed to hoping for the best. 
Um, you do not want to have no plan and hope for the best. That will definitely not work out. Um, if you listen to this show a long time, you may know I'm actually a preacher's kid. My dad was a church pastor the entire time I was growing up. And that's a, a very unique situation. And, um, Interestingly, I know a lot of people in professional full-time ministry, many of whom have children, they almost never ask me about my experience as a PK. As in almost really? never. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is most people are just hoping this will somehow figure itself out. They're hoping if I don't look at it and I don't think about it and I just hope and pray it'll probably all be great. So let's just do that. Because Church is good. Family is good. Surely the natural course of this is to be double good. Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. Well, and the hilarious thing is, if you've been around church for five minutes, you know the stereotype that preacher's kids have problems. Mm. So no one actually expects it will all work out, but we're taking the wishing approach right. that hopefully it will all work yeah, out. Yeah. So again, I really, really like for a question asker that you're taking an intentional approach here. You're not saying, I just wish that it would all work out. You're taking an intentional approach of what can we do? I know um, these other brothers will break down a lot of these details, but up front, there is no way to have a relationship that is completely separate from the church. Right. That's, that's actually not possible. I don't think that's your goal, mm. but... That's actually not possible, which is part of why we need to take a proactive, um, intentional approach here. And one place that I would begin is, I think, for families that are a part of ministries, this isn't just churches, it definitely applies to that, but for families that are part of ministries, it's so easy for everything the family does to revolve around that church or around that ministry. And that is a mistake. That is not a good idea. So for you in your relationship, I think part of the answer is to have stuff that the two of you do together that has nothing to do with church and that right. has nothing to do with ministry. Um, that's playing, learning to play tennis, racing go-karts, trying out new restaurants. Um, Inventing an exciting new game called Tennis Go-Karts. <laughs> if you invent Tennis Go-Karts, I'll play it. No doubt. I mean, I'll get up in that. Oh, yeah, it's like a polo kind of thing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm having fun imagining that right now. But again, it doesn't really matter what the stuff is. The key thing is big stuff, big parts of your togetherness that are not about the church, that are not about the ministry. And I want to be clear, I don't just mean date nights. That's great. That's so much better than nothing. That's so, so much better than nothing. But I think shared hobbies too, things that you guys do together that are a part of the life of your relationship that just are not connected to the church. I think that's really, really important. The other thing is to talk to talk honestly, to talk openly, and to talk often. The church is a strange thing because it is the bride of Christ, and it is uh, the hope of the world, and it's a beautiful thing, and it is also full of mean-spirited, weird people. And <laughs> so, um, and by mean-spirited, weird people, I mean people, because that's, that's kind of all we got. So it's this odd thing where you in your relationship need to be a sanity valve for each other. You need mm. to be able to speak openly without uh, worrying about getting judged, without worrying about getting looked down on, without worrying about uh, needing to parrot the right answer or the company line or the, the official policy. Um, 
giving each other a safe place where you can say this all that whatever that thing was last week that felt like some nonsense you know and and you know am i wrong and being able to talk that out and 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 again have that safe place to be heard that is really really critical i think if you can do those two things and continue on the path of an intentional proactive approach i think you'll be in great shape that's yeah. an excellent point a great way to start and i do think that's one of the things that's so good about what Jed just gave us there is that it really is applicable broadly well, a question we get a fair amount over the years is people saying um people who are not in the the unique situation of having the family involved but saying you know i'm interested in so and so but we're both in the college group or whatever in church and i don't want everybody to be all up in our business and uh what jed just gave us there is a very good layout for dealing with the fact that if you're in a relationship at a church Kind of top to bottom, there's going to be some level of people being in your business. That's right. that's what a community is for for good and for ill. And Leah, I'd love to, to get you to pick us up here because I think one of the things that may be good, as Jed talked about doing this intentionally, is understanding and being ready for the parts of that that just kind of are going to happen. Particularly right. as it pertains to dating the youth minister or somebody's involved in a particular kind of ministry. Um, we can want for zero, but we need to prepare for at least a little, right? That's exactly right. And and I love everything that Jed said on this. I think he's exactly right. I love that we're talking about boundaries on this and that you brought it up in the way that you asked the question. I'm I'm right on the same page with Jed saying, I, I love the way that you're going about this already. I think exactly as Matt's laying out in the way he's framing the question, you got to be ready for um, for some level of being watched. Um, If you are dating somebody that's in ministry, particularly somebody that's in youth ministry, and people know that that dude is dating someone, they are going to watch how he does a dating relationship. That that's going to be to some degree on display. Not everything about your relationship, not, not everything top to bottom, but to some degree, because a huge part of his job is going to be talking people through their relationship stuff. Um, if you are in youth ministry, you're going to be having a lot of conversations about relationships. Um, it's, it is, that's just a fact of the thing. So there is going to be, there's, there's a piece of this to which people are going to be watching how this goes down. Now, the, the, probably for me, the most important thing about what Jed was saying there was that you need to talk about all of this. You need to communicate about it. One thing that doesn't get said enough, you know, well, talking about boundaries in the church doesn't get doesn't get said enough anyway. But one thing that's super important to understand about about setting up boundaries is that they also you have to also be willing to be adaptable. So what I mean by that is we we set up a you know, we're, we're intentional. We have a conversation. We set up a boundary for the way that we want this thing to go, what we're expecting and what we're hoping for. And then as we kind of go through, you know, a month or two kind of trying out where we've set these limits, we might find that something about that doesn't quite work out right. So we need to adjust that, that, uh, system that we've set up or that boundary or whatever it is. Um, having a good line of communication open is so important so that you're able to adapt to the situation because uh, you set up a good boundary now. Well, six months from now, the situation may look completely different. So we always want to be checking in. We always want to be be willing to look at that, re, 
reestablish, change, um, be flexible so that we can understand how we can do this best. Because you may have an idea of how you think something's going to feel, and then you go into it and you realize, actually, I feel a little bit more comfortable with this part of this than I thought I was going to. Or actually, I really, really didn't like this. So let's relook at that. So it's not one of those things where we set up a hard and fast rule, and then we keep that henceforth and forever. Um, we've got to be able to have that good communication line open so that we can be adaptable as things come up. Um, an example of that might be, um, you know, you have, you, you're, you're, the guy that you're with is, you know, in ministry with a group of young guys, and he's talking to them about their dating relationships. And, um, and you decide it's, you're going to green light the idea that he can use certain situations from your relationship as an example when he's having a private conversation with those guys. And then it turns out that one of those guys is not very trustworthy and he talks about it to somebody else. And then you have a conversation and you decide, we're going to reset that up. If you're going to have one-on-one conversations with guys, you need to use our dating examples as an example. You're talking about a friend. I had a friend who I have a friend who is in this dating relationship and they experienced that in this way. You may have to you may have to change the things once you get in the middle of it. And so having that good communication open so that you can adapt is going to be a really really important piece of this. That's really really good stuff and excellent continuation of where Jed started us off there. And Glenn, I think there's also another factor of this, and it applies to certainly our friend's situation intensely wrote the question, but it is another one of those things that's kind of open, is if you're involved in a church, or really any community, but we're probably going church here, and people notice that there's a relationship going on, be that new marriage, be that two people started dating, a lot of people are going to line up to have opinions. Yeah. And some of those could be, in a general way, useful. Sure. Some of those could be super not. So how do we find a way to... Um, referee that for ourselves and make sure that we're given that proper weight uh, as opposed to how we're dealing with our partner. Well, yeah, I think it's really important to establish a, a team that's you and your partner, your 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 future uh, spouse in this case, of of saying we're a team, we're we're encouraging each other, supporting each other. We're also analyzing what's going on. So we it, in our ministry we call it doing a debrief. But if you have a meeting, you do a thing. Uh, Jane and I will sit down. So if she's doing something with our ladies' ministry, she'll come back. We'll sit down. We'll go over that with sort of a fine-tooth comb, and I'm giving her feedback and all that. So there's an internal teamwork that's happening. I'm holding her accountable for her growth on certain areas. She's saying, I've been trying to do more of this, but I felt like this week I didn't do a good job. So we, we start looking at that. We start analyzing that. So if if we have that, and somebody else comes in that knows less about it and is giving obviously bad advice it kind of shows up easily and we could say actually you know uh, glenn and i went over it and we're fine with that we, we we've got it thank you very much that kind of thing so i think the more that you're in communication with each other the more it allows you to to discern that but you don't want other people to feel like they can referee that and the big thing you want to never let happen is the, would you tell your husband to do more of this or less of that thing? Where other people where the other people are getting you to be the mouthpiece to make a change with your spouse that they want to see happen. 
That's a huge no-no. And I mean that, I don't care who it is. If that's your in-laws, you tell them, you have a problem with my husband, you go tell him. Don't tell me. That's how, that's how grown folks take care of their business. You're not going to ruin my relationship just so you can get what you want out of him. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I agree with him. That's what you need to know. So, um, you know, that unified front helps with that. But I think there's another little slice to this, uh, which is I've, I've seen a, or, or talked to a lot of uh, couples where there's a husband and wife and the husband's a pastor and this is his wife. And and more often than you would think, the, the pastor's wife uh, will say, I never thought I would be a pastor's wife. I never wanted to be a pastor's wife. I never liked the idea of being a pastor's wife. I want to be my own person. I don't just want to be his wife. And so I, and in some cases where that pastor's wife is going to an entirely different church and that whole deal. I'm like, I'm on my own, y'all. I'm independent. And this, well, uh, I get where that's coming from, psychologically speaking. This is not really the way to go about that. What I think the key is, as these brothers are describing to you, is you both need to be involved in each other's calling. You need to be supportive of each other and what you're doing. If those are two totally separate things, that's fine. There's no, you know, if if if, if you're doing one type of ministry with uh, you know inner city ladies and he's doing something with youth ministry. That's great, and there's no problems there. You don't need to be on top of each other. But the people in the church need to see you supporting him and him supporting you. Mm. Whether that's you're physically going to that or not, it could just be, you know, just, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if your spouse or future spouse in this case can say, you know, uh, me and my wife were talking about this topic last night, and she gave me some good insight, especially from a female's perspective, and so I want to share some of that with you, to where it's, it, he's making it clear that there's a support there. Uh, the final thing is, if you're doing a ministry that's that's outside of the church or or that the people in the church are not doing, so if it's sort of a parachurch type thing or whatever you're doing, uh, you need to uh, make sure that you're talking to people who are doing that same kind of ministry and are doing a good job of it, that have experience, and that you're getting that mentoring from them. That way, if other people are saying, well, let me come in and tell you how to do that, you can say, actually, I, I have a mentor on that, and, and that mentor is working with me on how to do that uh, ministry. So that you're, you're, you're sending a message of, I'm not just going off on my own, doing my own thing. I'm actually getting some good wisdom on this. I'm working with experienced and qualified people, and I'm enjoying that work, and they're, they're guiding me in that. And this is not me going off sort of willy-nilly. I think that's a great point. These guys all gave really good stuff in that one kind of final bonus point I'm throwing on here which is more on the how do I, you know, people are coming up to me and you know, saying nice stuff, and I don't know if anything to do with the fact that they'll actually like what I'm doing or that I'm the pastor's girlfriend or whatever. And that's, I think, again, that's something that's a little more universal. When you, if you do something that you get to be up front or, you know, you, we and all of us, you know, we're in Chicago, we'll do a fair amount of visiting churches, and they'll do a certain, oh, this is, you know, this is Glenn or this is Jed from The Bridge and the whole thing. And occasionally you'll get people you would never expect who have really genuine, pleasant, uh, interesting things to say. And sometimes you get people who just have a new person they think will absorb their words or somebody who wants to kind of look cool by proxy and really aren't hard, fast rules for that. It's one of those things of you just kind of have to trust your kind of internal barometer on that. 
and know when to uh, politely shuffle away. Because there are people who, as Glenn is saying, who just want to have opinions, just want to communicate something through you and all that. And it's, it's a good thing to have in your mind, uh, to go back to very much where Jed started us of being intentional about this, to have in your mind, these are all nice people and they all have the Lord, but they're all going to try to be on some nonsense at right. some point. Yeah. So that saves you the step going, well, I mean, I don't want to accuse Sister Edith of being a weirdo. And then you talk to the pastor, like, oh, no, Sister Edith's driving us all crazy with that. Right. We just wish she'd stop. No one's, just no one said anything because this is church and this mm-hmm. is how we do that. So to have that idea of everybody could be sincere, but everybody could not be. And when you have a little twig of that one way or the other, it's not unchristian to trust that, even though you're in church, which a little bonus point on there. All right, move on to our next question here. It comes in anonymously at our Tumblr, and it says, at small group, the speaker mentioned that in the New Testament, we no longer have to listen to the Ten Commandments anymore because of Jesus, which blew my mind because I get that we are saved by grace and don't want to follow the other nitpicky laws in the Old Testament, but I thought the Ten Commandments were pretty important. So, like, technically, we don't need to follow the Sabbath, but it's still a day of rest. I'm a little bit confused about this. Thank you. And it's a really good question. Lee, why don't you kick us off? Uh, glad to. We'll start out with some kind of nerdy stuff, I guess. And um, there's a really, really helpful verse in Romans chapter three, where uh, Romans chapter three, verse nineteen, Paul tells us something really important about the the law as a whole and the Ten Commandments specifically. He says that the reason God gave people the Ten Commandments was to close everyone's mouth about how awesome they are. That was literally the reason for it. It wasn't a thing where we're going to see who keeps these the best. These are the, these are the rules that everybody's got to do, and that's how we're going to find out how good you are. He says the reason it was given was to shut everybody's mouth talking about how awesome they were. Um, what happens is, is that basically, you know, the Lord gives this, this list, and this is, uh, you know, uh, the, life would be great if everybody lived in this way, if everybody was able to follow this. But the problem is nobody does. And what people have done is they take the things that they are naturally good at and then they say, well, I'm keeping those things. And anybody that's not, that's how I feel better about myself than they are. Um, That's how I know that I'm better than you. I'm keeping these things that you're not. It's a way for people to look at each other, compare themselves to each other and stuff like that. And so what Paul says is God gave us things that he knew we couldn't do as a way to show us ourselves so that honest folks realize, I need a savior. And that was the design. The design was that everybody would realize, I need a savior. These, these are rules that only Jesus has kept. So for instance, when you look at like the Sabbath, um, you, you brought up the Sabbath thing, and the point of the Sabbath was originally to show everybody that God is saying, I'm... I'm going to, uh, I want to give you a day off. I want to, out of my love for you, I want you to have some recuperation, some chill. And by the way, I don't need you in order to keep the world running. I can make the crops grow all by themselves, the whole thing. You don't even have to do anything. I can run this whole deal. And instead of receiving that as a gift, what people did was turn it into into a way to compete with each other. Well, we keep this. We chill on Saturdays. Y'all don't. That makes us better than you. And it was one of those things where it's like the very thing that was designed to show us how much we need a savior, people have turned into a thing to say, this is how I demonstrate that I'm better than you. I don't know that I would have said it exactly as the minister that you're referring to 
says it, but it's one of those deals where Jesus has come to rescue us from our inability to keep any rules and to give us a new way. It's a, it's a new way that dives deeper down into our motives and our intentions and stuff like that. But originally, all these rules were given to show us, every one of us, we're not, it's to level the playing field. I'm not better than anybody else. And this is where I stop talking about how awesome I am. And I start asking for help and start realizing how much I need a savior. Well, that's a fantastic place to start off. I'm glad I'd love to, love to go to you next. I think there's a, a good, among the really good points that uh, Lee made in there, there's one that's, I think it's foundational in answering this, which is, this is, your, the person saying this in your small group, I get what they were going for. That's not exactly right. the wording I would have put on it. Right. And we don't know if this person may be translating, because we do stuff around the world. Sure. But, so there's, there's a, a verse in uh, Matthew that like kind of like you to, to speak to, and how that relates to this, which is, this is Matthew 5.17. Jesus speaking says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Right. So again, the, the crux of what this person was saying about we're not bound to follow the Ten Commandments is entirely true, but it's not a negation. Right. It's a kind of evolution, I guess, maybe the word. So how does right. looking at it that way kind of clear it up for us? Well, I think uh, ultimately, if you're, if you're, I mean, we're, we're painting with a very broad brush here, but if you're looking at the Old Testament, the way that you had your sins taken away is you brought an animal to sacrifice. The sins were put on the animal. We sacrificed the animal. Sure. Worse the, sins, bigger animal, the whole thing. That whole thing. Well, uh, Jesus is saying, I am the Lamb of Sacrifice. I fulfill the law because I meet the requirements of the law. Therefore, we deal with him. That's how that works. Um, now, uh, here's the thing is what, what Jesus is saying all the rest of the way through the New Testament is you must go beyond what's in the law. Your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees who are just right. following rules. Um, what he's saying is that you need to go beyond the very idea of a rule. That concept in your head needs to be uh, done away with. Uh, it's about understanding the underlying thing that God's trying to tell us about life. You know, the thing about the Sabbath is you need to stop dude, you need yeah. to pull up. You need to recognize and be still that I am God and I am in control and I've got this, exactly as Lee was saying. To that point, um, they criticized Jesus for not obeying every little thing about the Sabbath. You know, that was, uh, they, they, they said, ooh, ooh, Jesus, you're, I see something that's, you know, you, you didn't follow all the stuff in the scriptures plus the stuff that we made up. So, we got you. Uh, and Jesus said, this is in uh, uh, Mark uh, 2, right at the very end. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he's saying mm -hmm. that the, the, the Sabbath was created so that it would serve us, it would do something for us. But I wasn't made to follow a rule. I wasn't built to put it on the earth and say, okay, now you follow a rule. Because that's, that's your destiny, is to follow rules. He's saying, I made the Sabbath so you can relax and be cool, man. So, you know, <laughs> the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's, put, he, he's referring to himself, of course. He's saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. 
I tell you what Sabbath is, because I'm God. You don't decide what <laughs> Sabbath means. You don't decide when you're fulfilling that. You say, well, I, I followed the letter of the law, therefore, boom, perfect, and that's it. Uh, Jesus is doing away with that. He says, what I tell you to do on Sunday morning when you wake up for church, that's what Sabbath is. You do that, you're in my will. You do your own thing. Don't pretend that you're perfectly righteous just because you can find a Bible verse that backs that up. Um, basically, what we're talking about here is the difference between the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. We use this word legalistic a lot, and a legalistic person is someone who obeys the letter of the law while breaking the spirit of the law, uh, or, if, or, or of any part of Scripture as far as that goes. But if you don't understand the spirit of the law and you're only focused on meeting the letter of the law, you are not a good Christian. You are not living a righteous life. You have no mature, advanced relationship with God. You are on square number one. The, the life of, uh, of a Christian begins when we step forward and follow God where he leads us, not when we are obeying rules. And that's a big mental shift for all of us to make. It's a tough struggle for all of us to, to think about a, a life that is like that. Uh, we want it to be rules because as, as much as we rebel against rules, we, we can define that and it makes it easy and I can tick that box and say I'm okay. Uh, but it's, a, it's about deepening that relationship and following him. It's a really, really good stuff. And Jed, I think there's something that both Glenn and Lee have been pointing us to here, which is kind of the, the concept of, so what do we do with these rules now? Yeah. And I think Glenn has gave us a very good jumping off point there of, and we, we talk in our ministry a lot of time about the difference between have to's and get to's. This may be the difference between a have to and a good idea. Yeah. So how do we see so the Old Testament, particularly the Ten Commandments through that lens? I want you to imagine you're out at a nice restaurant. You excuse yourself from the table. You go to the washroom, bathroom, the lavatory, the latrine. The place you do your dirty, sinful business. place you do your dirty, sinful business. And you do that dirty, sinful business. And you you come out of the stall. You notice a sign that says, employees must wash hands. You think, bummer. I hate rules. And then it occurs to you, wait a second. I'm not an employee here. I'm a customer. I'm a patron. I don't have to do that. I'm busting out of here without washing my hands. Bad call, friend. Bad call. Just just wash your hands. You don't have to wash your hands, but you should. Yeah. It's a good idea. Wash them filthy little hands. For your sake, for all of our sake. Right. Now, one of the smartest things I've ever heard on the subject of sin, um, it goes back long enough, to be honest, I actually don't remember uh, who I heard this from originally. But the line goes, when God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. And that's mm-hmm. really, really worth thinking about. Because yeah. here's the thing on that. You can break every one of those Ten Commandments and be as saved as saved can be. Be as loved and forgiven as anybody. For example, I know a lot of people who have violated that commandment about murder. I mean, a lot. And they love Jesus, and they're as saved as saved can be. But here's the thing. There's earthly consequences that go with breaking the commandments on that list. Um, The theology of it notwithstanding, if you murder someone, you're going to have problems in your life, my man. That's that's how that works. One of those commandments says, uh, do not commit adultery. The quickest way to wreck your life is to cheat on your partner. I mean, it's, that's rough, dude. Similarly, uh, you shall not covet. The fastest path to having a joyless life 
is coveting what other people have. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. I think uh, Glenn and Lee both have done a great job of uh, breaking down the theology of it. I think there is a common sense element of God wants you to have a good life, man. And he's pointed out a lot of stuff that is definitely not the path to a good life. It's not the path to a happy or satisfied life. I think one of the takeaways, the theological takeaway is, yes, absolutely. No one can keep um, all this written in the law. No one can satisfy this. Therefore, we need a savior. And that's right on. One of the more practical takeaways goes right along with it, which is, my natural inclination is to point myself towards things that would totally mess up my life. Yes. Um, it, when I take a hold of the wheel of my life, I try and steer that thing into the ditch every time. That's just, <laughs> that's my tendency. That's just how I do. Uh, if you wanted to put fancy terms on that, that's what it means to believe in the depravity of man. That's, that's actually what that is. Um, therefore, I need God not just to save me. I do need that. I need him to guide me. I need him to teach me how to live. I need him to teach me what is good. And, and what he has for me, because I don't have a natural instinct for that. I don't have a, a, a I'm the kind of guy who would see, be in the bathroom and say, employees, bust, wash hands. I'm not an employee. I'm busting out of this prison of its rules. Don't tell me what to do, son. Exactly right. You're not the boss of me. Um, there is a humility to recognizing I don't know how to have a good life. I don't know how to hook this up. I need God to guide me, and I need him to guide me in the context of a relationship where he shows me the spirit behind all of this and helps me understand the good things that he has for me and so I can live into them fully. All really, really fantastic stuff. We're going to move to our final question here. It comes in anonymously to our email address and it says, I have an amazing friend and roommate. Over the past year, her and a guy have fallen in love. The guy is okay. For the past year, he's made no effort to get to know me even when I've tried to make an effort with him. I've tried so hard to like him, asking him questions, and even asking them if I could just get coffee sometime and hang out. It's never happened, and it is all painfully awkward. Since my roommate loves him and hasn't asked for my opinion on him, I haven't let her know how I really feel about him, except for snippets of how I think she deserves to be treated when she's talking about their hard times. They're getting more serious and might very well get engaged soon. If I told her about how I felt, she would get super pissed at me. But if I say nothing, I feel like I'm not being a fully honest and caring friend. I just think she deserves a lot better. Do I stay out of this or say something? How do I not ruin a great friendship? And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, I, I think you just uh, grab her by the shoulders and say, I hate him. Don't do it. Um, you got a plan B? Yeah. Well, I, sometimes it's good to just hear the idea fully Sure. In, out loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you say, what? Well, because we're worth exploring. There's no way to really smoothly do un right. unsolicited advice. That's right. So it's pretty much going to be that. Yeah. That's that's what, if, if it just sounded wrong when I said <laughs> it just now, well, then, okay, we, we've got the sense that's not the way to go. I, it, it, in a weird way, I, I'm not trying to change the channel on you here, but in a weird way, I go through this almost constantly with. Uh, pastors and churches that I work with where they need advice that they're not really asking for and they need some direction and uh, you could see this thing going off a cliff but at what point do you give that unsolicited advice as we're talking about here uh, generally speaking uh, you know we say on the show all the time unsolicited advice is 
for emergencies. Uh, this, you know, it, it, for example, what would that be like in this case if there was an abusive thing here? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if it yeah. was emotionally abusive or verbally abusive, that would be the kind of thing where you really need to step in. It doesn't sound like we're anywhere near that here, but uh, just to give a sense of left and right limits, that would be an exception to what we're saying here. Yeah, emergency almost always entails fairly immediate physical danger. Right, that's right. Uh, the the other thing is that you're you're only giving snippets here and there uh, uh, when when they're when they're having their their problems. Snippets are fine. I, I that's that's you're, you're, you may be pushing that as much as you can, and that's a good thing. You know, that's you're letting her know, generally speaking, how you feel. If you're if you're saying, hey, I think you deserve to be treated better on this particular occasion, that's that's pretty loud and clear. I think that's you're making a statement there. She's. Uh, processing that she's doing what she wants with it i i think she's kind of made her mind up about that already and uh it's uh, time for us to find a way to live with that uh, i don't know if you can dig this and i understand it's easy for me to say because i'm i'm not in this it's not my friend you know if it, if it was my friend i'd be thinking the same thing you'd be telling me uh to to to, to cool out about it but this is the this is the thing I want to tell you about this, uh, and it's a hard word, really. Uh, but it, I think it would give us a lot of peace here. Most people learn most things the hard way. That's yeah. right. Uh, that's just one of those big, giant, universal truths that people who do a lot of counseling know about the world is people. Uh, people are going to do what they're going to do. Uh, 90% of people that talk to me in a counseling situation already fully have their mind made up of what they're going to do. <laughs> so uh, now in some cases, they want to hear me tell them this bad idea is a bad idea uh, simply because they, you know, they, they're hoping there's a chance. Maybe it's a good idea. Uh, there are times when, uh, you know, they, they know it's a bad idea and uh, they can't, talk themselves out of it, so they want me to talk them out of it, those kinds of things. But people's minds are generally made up. They're generally going to do what they're going to do. They generally learn things the hard way. Um, a, a timely word here and there can make a difference, of course. That's that's what we're doing when we're doing ministry. And certainly uh, planting a seed of uh, what, what healthy relationships are and you know how to have those and all that kind of stuff. Uh, can be important, can be beneficial. She might return to that in in times where they're having uh, problems in the relationship. But uh, but but understand, uh, people very rare, very 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 rarely come to me before they've made a decision. Say, my mind is completely open. Tell me what you think. That you know. So the idea that 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 for you, you're looking on to the situation, you feel sort of powerless in that. Well, that's that's kind of the human condition. This is how all relationships really work. You think, well, if I'm close, she ought to ask me about it, and I ought to have a voice in that because we, I know her, and I know what what she wants, and I I have her best intentions in mind. Uh, but this is about praying for. This is about finding a way. Uh, to support her without it enabling anything that's that's unhealthy, uh, and and letting people know uh, that they can come to you and talk to you about this stuff in the future if they need it, uh, because we can't sort of get into a place of talking them out of these ideas they've already had their minds made up about. 
It's a really great point and a very important place to start. And Lee, I'd love to, love to get you to pick us up here because as a uh, youth pastor for quite a while now, you've seen a lot of really bad relationship ideas and <laughs> you can't goalie them all. So what do you do? Yeah, it's it, it's an interesting thing when you're in the place of ministry because a lot of times people do come and ask exactly as they're talking about coming and asking Glenn about it. Um, and unfortunately, that's not really the situation that you find yourself in. But uh, there are plenty of times in ministry situations where we see somebody in a bad thing and they're not asking anything and we have to decide how to make that call. Uh, it's exactly what Glenn's saying. I mean, I'm not going to give new information here. The, the, there's a there's a principle in AA, the 12-step program, which is that the people who benefit from AA are the people who want it, not the people who need it. Everybody that's trapped in alcoholism needs that needs a 12-step program, but only the people who want it are the people who are going to get a benefit from that. It's a sad truth, but it's a it's an absolutely true thing. People who who want wisdom are the people who are going to benefit from wisdom, not necessarily people who want it. So the bummer about that is that if you go have the intervention, um, it, the thing that we can tell you off of that is, is that 99.9 times out of 100, that will not end up the way that you want it to. That conversation will not end well. Um, and here's the other thing that I've found over the years um, your friend probably already has an inkling about how you feel about this relationship. Uh, they can probably smell it um, in the way that you respond and the look of your face, the tone of your voice when you describe the things that are going on. Um, it's probably not a secret. And if in uh, depending on how good that friendship is, um, if they kind of have a feeling about how you feel about it and they're not talking to you about it, that's a pretty good indicator that that conversation is not going to go really anywhere at all. Um, and so I think it's exactly where Glenn ended on that, which is, you know, if I'm in this situation as a minister or as somebody that's a friend uh, in a, in a, in a relationship that I don't think is a great idea, but we don't have, we're not, we're not to the place of abuse or something like that. And they're not asking my advice. I want to play the long game of serving that person's physical needs, being around for them, being there for them, having conversations. I want to be in a position to be able to be the person that they turn to when they decide that this is not a healthy situation, that they're ready to get out of it. Um, if things take an obvious turn for the worse, there's an emergency, then I want to jump in there and do exactly what Glenn was talking about before. But I want to play the long game of having the kind of relationship where I'm a faithful, loyal friend that they would come to. Um, now. If you do find yourself in a situation of being in ministry or counseling, you've got a little more you got a little more green light to kind of step in and, and and say with a heavier hand, you need to hear this word that I'm that I'm saying. But on a straight up friendship, they one she probably already knows how you feel about it, and the fact that she's not engaging the conversation means she does not want to have that conversation with you. That uh, is a very clear and very very important point about this whole thing. And Jed, I think that does bring us to an important point here, which is the way we're framing this whole thing to ourselves, which sure. is uh, kind of the, and this is the way a lot of people kind of break this down, is I can't not say anything. That would be irresponsible. That would sure. be mean if they make a bad decision. I would, I would feel like I have some part in that, which it's probably been a little hard on yourself, but it's also not entirely true that my options are say absolutely nothing and have big dramatic conversations. Yeah. So where do we find a middle ground in that? 
Well, there is a middle ground. Um, it, it leans more in one direction than another, but there is a middle ground. That middle ground is uh, to uh, ask your roommate, you know, let's go hang out. Let's grab coffee. You know, just, just some us time, you and me. And I'm buying, you know, so you go to the Starbucks, you get your drinks. You say, how are things going with Gerald? Right. How are we doing? How's, how's all of that? Tell me every little thing. Let her talk. Someone who is unsure about the relationship, someone who might be open to advice, it'll come out. It'll come out. You say, and at the end of all, how can I best be praying for you? If they're open to it, it'll come up. If you ask how it's going, it's great, fan, lovely, beautiful, wonderful, everything's great. Ah, well, fantastic. How can I be praying for you? Oh, just so we would seek the Lord's will more diligently together. That, then you have your answer. That's, that's the thing. People right. aren't dumb, man. If you, if you take them out and you buy them a nice uh, beverage, you say, just tell me everything. How are we doing? And they give you nothing negative of any kind and no points of concern and nothing where it's like, well, I don't know about this, but golly gee, they're telling you, uh, we're, we're fine. We're, we're good. It's no problem to do that. But I think the key thing is, if you're going to do that, you need to make your peace in advance. So that's probably how that's going to go. That's um, right. There's a chance that you do that. And, and she says, man, I'm glad you asked because, you know, sometimes it's great, but sometimes it's not. And I don't really know. And besides so forth, you say, are you open to input on that? Is that, you know, because I'm happy to listen. But, you know, are you? And there's a chance that would happen. But the majority odds are your friend will make it pretty clear. No, we're, we're doing just fine. Thank you very much. Which is her prerogative. Now, there's one more thing we should say on this because it's important, but it, and it has a, a real application point. And that is there's a lot of variables here. Um, it's a weird thing, but oftentimes the people who most want to offer relationship advice are the people least qualified to do that. <laughs> um, like the people who really, not always, and this question came in anonymously, so I, I don't, I can't speak to this situation, but often, the people who really want to get in there and tell you how to run your relationship are people you should never take advice from. I mean, like ever. Um, I it, to a comical degree. I mean, <laughs> without putting anybody's business out in the streets. I think it's a great point, and I I do know who the email came from, so I can safely say that doesn't apply to them. However, you bring up an important point because we all kind of know that. Yeah. To the point where that is an extra layer to any unsolicited relationship advice, the easiest rejection of that is, well, you don't know what you're talking about, man. Yeah. And sometimes you're right. Sometimes you may not be right, but it's an, the, there's really no comeback for that That's since exactly. you're outside the relationship. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, I think it's worth looking at. You've heard us before talk about the idea of earning the right to be heard. Um, and I think it's worth looking at, have you earned the right to be heard in this person's life? The fact that your roommate, yep. that, that you are their roommate, doesn't mean you've earned the right to be heard in their life. I, I've had a lot of roommates in my life. There's a lot of them that definitely, rightly, did not want any advice from me on anything. Um, here's the key thing. The best thing you can possibly do, really, really, and this takes us all the way back to our first question today, is build your own relationship that's worthy of emulation. People mm. will watch. If you build a really cool, really amazing relationship, people will notice. They will watch. They will, they will try to emulate. They might get so interested they ask you questions about how you did that. Um, but I think often, um, often we, we are tempted to speak when we have not earned the right to be heard. And often w the thing about earning the right to be heard is the other person has to decide we've earned the right to be heard. That's, yeah. that's the weird thing about it. So we can have done a lot of good stuff, but if they don't feel like 
they particularly want us to speak into the situation, that's it. That's the final thing. But the one thing they can't shut down is us building our own relationship that is good and godly and awesome because that's our light shining before men. Uh, they will see it. They kind of can't turn that off. And if there's a real contrast there, that's something they're going to be curious about. They're going to want to know more about. They're going to ask about that in their own way and at their own pace. But that's a, a witness and a testimony that they're not going to be able to shut down. A really great point. One thing I would add on to the really good stuff that Jed is giving us here is it's also true that rarely in life is the right to be heard a blanket status, which is yeah. given to someone. You know, we, we deal, as Glenn said, there's some parallels to, to our ministry in this a lot. It's about people ask the question. Um, we have, can build up all sorts of right to be heard in someone's, you know, spiritual life and give them all sorts of good advice. And they'll be sitting around talking about, well, I need a job thing. Say, what I do is, you know, I think you do this. Hey, just get that. Oh, no, no. You haven't earned job right to be heard. Right, right, right. You've yeah. earned, like, spiritual family right to be heard, but this is, this is a whole new area of the map. You've got to... Right. You've got to get down on this first. So yeah. I think it's important that Jed is, is absolutely right that just because you are close with someone, just because you have other areas of their life in which you uh, are they're kind of super open to you, that's not the same as a carte blanche yeah. right to be right. heard in every conceivable area. And that's important, not saying that your advice would not be good. It might be, but this is another thing we deal with a lot is um, advice can only be helpful to the point that someone's willing to take it. Yep. So yeah. yep. a lot of times you're better off really super making sure that they're ready for it. And then, you, to be honest, and I can say this because I've done a lot of it, you can give some pretty B-minus level advice to someone who's in a spot who's ready to take it, and it'll have an impact, mm -hmm. as opposed to putting a really brilliant idea down before someone where no track was laid, and it just kind of becomes a tension point. So mm -hmm. I think that that's definitely true of this. And we, we do know, we would want to give the credit, we know, we know that you have the best... Uh, intentions towards your friend, you know, you feel this way because you want what's best for them. Again, that's another way in which we can we can relate to that. But it is important to say, if they get, if she marries dude and he ends up being uh, every negative thing you thought he was and a super jerk face person, it's not on you. You did not. There's not a uh, a kind of lack of action that may. This is not. A, it's not a sin of omission. To say to someone, this could go terribly. <laughs> if they didn't, that's, you're, you're not the, the ghost of marriage yet to come. Right. <laughs> here, in the same way, um, again, this is time tying this back to the work we do with the Braves work. Lee does a lot with young people. There's stuff that we're like 100% sure this is going to go bad. We can tell you every beat of how this is going to go bad. <laughs> but if the person's not willing to hear it, it's not particularly useful to tell them. You got to, and a big part of that is kind of praying that up, listening to the Lord. But if you're getting the sense of, as these, all these guys have pointed out, a lot of times you're, unless it's, you're getting that super push from the Lord to no, you got to, which is pretty rare, you're much better to, to play for the rebound. And if you can set that track of this person was not negative about my relationship, they didn't just talk about how everything was doomed all the time. That's a much better setup for if things do go wrong. And if they go right, then that's really a win for all of us. So right. it's good to set yourself up for some win-wins where you can. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com, take the song this week. This is from our friends in the Deacons division. It's called Ooh. The One Who Sent Him. Take out yeah. that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Millions of, of Americans are affected every year by biscuit poisoning. Ask your doctor if prescription strength gravy max could be right for you.
forward with my vision, my squad looking out for God's wisdom, looking up and looking down.